Life's better with some good company. You're listening to the Good Co. Podcast with Brett and Emma. Discuss the hot topics, the hard ones, and everything in between. Here's the Good Co. Podcast with your hosts, Brett and Emma. Welcome back to the Good Co. Podcast with Brett and Emma and some special guests. Yeah, two of my favorite people, Kate and Nate Thompson from another podcast that we have on our Hope FM podcast network called Between Sundays. Welcome, you guys. Hey. Thank What's you. Up? Thanks for having us. <laughs> Nate, I hear you have a super special question to ask Brett. Well, I was wondering, um, you're you're getting a father-in-law? Yeah, very soon. Soon. What's his name? Bill. Big Billy. <laughs> Billy. Billy boy. Sorry. <laughs> sorry what? Actually, that's part of my question. Um, is it sorry, Bill, or are you, are you calling him Papa? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're saying dad. Dude, I'm sweating already. You're getting nervous. Dude, I'm he's sweating red. already. Uh, Bill, as I, I won't be calling you dad, but he's looking red. He's... <laughs> Brett's a little Hot and nervous. Sweaty over here. So, what do you, you call him, Dad, or what are you doing here? Where are we at with this? It hasn't been Dad yet, but I'm I'm not closed off to it in the future. I mean, the wedding is a little over a month away. You want to maybe try it right now? You want to do a shout out? You want to do a shout out to I do say that this is a safe space a lot of times, but I just now that's I'm, safe. I'm working up to it. I'm working. You don't feel safe right now, do you? No, I'm on blast. <laughs> Is mom easier? I I think naturally it is. Yeah. I mean, was it easier for you, Nate, to call Kate's mom mom or Kate's dad dad? Um, <laughs> for I, sure the mom one. Kate's dad, yeah, dad. probably mom mom. I think that comes from like growing up with some of my friends who weren't like you know you. I, my friend Brad, I would call his mom mom when I was in high school. I don't know if that's just like a guy thing or if girls also did that. Oh, I, I did know. that I, for sure. I totally. Okay, did so that's that. a normal thing then. It's not I didn't do thing. that. I'm a little bit of a loyalist. Here we go. Here we go. Let's so start. I would feel like I was like betraying my mom, calling mom. someone else mom. <laughs> like you just come home and confess it. So did you have a hard time calling his parents mom and dad? Yeah, I think for a long time I just avoided calling them she something. She make eye contact with them. <laughs> she just, she just talked to them. That's like, it's yeah. just like instead of saying, thanks, mom, it's just like, oh, thank you. She's like, what, what was your, she'd be like, what was your name again? <laughs> oh, My fiance, man, she's going to have a harder time than me then, huh? It's possible. Maybe. I think it's a personality thing too. You know, if you start right off the bat calling a mom and dad like earlier on, then it's not as a big deal as all of a sudden you're married and now you change your language all of a sudden. The pressure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I, I call your dad dad now. Mm-hmm. I think he likes it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, we're almost, we're what? You just started that? Years? Can we How get verification? I might text him. Big I've got Jimmy, his Papa John. <laughs> Shout out. Sometimes we call him Jay-Z. Jay-Z. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. If you're enjoying all the good company right now, would you consider rating the podcast and leaving a review? And just maybe your comment or question could end up on the next podcast. Well, that kind of brings us to our topic for the day. You might be wondering why we have um, Between Sundays with us today, but uh, actually my, my future father-in-law typed Who? in a question. What? Bill? Bill. Oh. Dad. Hi, Dad. (laughs) Hi, Dad, Bill. Oh, man. He's going to be sweating as he's he's listening to this podcast. He doesn't know what's going to be said. No. Um, We don't either. But we have a a mailbag section at the end of our podcast normally. But today, this podcast is actually devoted to a question that was brought in to the mailbag from Bill. He said, I've been trying to listen to generations lately. I would love to hear from you and your generation on how my generation is doing. What observations, both the good, the bad, the ugly, do you see in my generation? 
Because there's a tendency that as we observe the generation before, we overcorrect to a new unhealthy form of living, which misleads the generation that follows. So how is my generation doing? That's kind of a big question, though. It is Mm -hmm. a big question. It's a great question, though. And you guys are a little bit older than Brett and I. Sorry to say. No, don't apologize. (laughs) The married for 18 years thing kind of gave it away. But so you're like the generation above us. So we kind of want to hear from you and discuss. I just want to say I was five years old when you guys got married. (laughs) Aww. Adorable. Isn't that cute? It's like a good ring bearer age. We are millennials. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, millennials have a bad reputation for a lot of things. I feel like that's so true. But let's change it, Nate. Let's be let's proud millennials. It. Touch my knuckles Fist to yours. Bump. <laughs> I, I am also like a first edition millennial because I'm coming right at the cusp of like the Gen Xers. Mm. At I'm born in 81. So it's kind of like right in that transition thing. And then I feel like I've leaned more into the millennial side of it than the Gen X side mm. of it, which some of my friends are more Gen X-y than I am. And I can tell just by the, how they dress. <laughs> that's what funny. gives it away yeah they're still like boot cut straight leg jeans yeah. they getting so you're saying jeans. they're back in style now they're coming back they're hitting hard the gen x is on a they're on an uprise it's come on fierce. let's go yeah so uh to kind of break that big question down a little bit more i had a question uh what do you see as a way to bridge the gap between i mean we're gen gen z you guys are millennials we have a pretty good friendship between the four of us but what do you see as a really good way to bridge the gap between that generational divide we have tried to take an approach of having like healthier conversations with other generations Mm -hmm. finding more in common than finding things that separate us so i feel like there are certain life experiences though that no matter what generation you're a part of they are going to relate to you so there's going to be certain things, especially if you're a Christian, we automatically have yeah. the most important thing in common. So then we're all going to have marriage. We're all going to have relationships. We'll have some type of community that we're a part of. So I feel like that we do have a lot to talk about, even though we might use different language, we might have a different way of approaching it. Like, for example, posting something on social media versus making a phone call and mm. having a, a voice-to-voice conversation kind of thing. Bridging the gap, I think for me is remaining teachable. I think a lot of times you want to think that you know what's up Mm. and you forget, like for you Gen Zers, you forget that the millennials have already done what you did. Um, And for us, the Gen Xers did it. And then to think of the Gen Xers, they're the, they're the engine Mm. of our nation right now. They're the, they're the buying power. They're the strength. They're, they have like the, the biggest reach and the biggest resources. And then you, you have a tendency, every generation does it that, you know, best now Mm -hmm. when the reality is my dad, who's a boomer, he knows how an engine works. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Kate's dad, who's a gen Xer, uh, he came up with like, he's in the computer programming and stuff like that. He understands programming, you know, and I think like you, we have this idea that we know, more because we know how to post on Instagram Well, they're the ones who created Instagram, hmm. you know, so there's a, there's gaps in there for the masses, but to appreciate where the generations are coming from, I think gets lost. And then, but if you remain teachable in everything to know that the Gen Xers, they can teach us a, a ton because if you look, I was mentioning this to Kate the other day, you look at, if you stay for the church mindset idea, you get a bunch of volunteers together to build something. It's going to be, 
the 35 year olds and up that are going to show up that know how to do it. That's true. The 35 down to the twenties are going to be like, uh, okay, um, you want me to carry that? Cause they're not going to know how to do it. You know? But so then there's, then you can get like uh, aggressive towards each other. And that's something for me to bridge the gap, be teachable. That's so true. Like Brett and I are both Gen Z. So we're like the adorables. Know, yeah. <laughs> something like that. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> But I do think it's true. I think it's easy for our generation as a whole to kind of look at the older, any of the older generations and just be like, you didn't live through media in the way that we did. You didn't live through, like, you don't know, you don't know anything about media, honestly. Everyone's calling us for their computer problems and phone problems and all of that. But, um, and kind of discounting like all the knowledge and all that the older generations do know. And so for me, yeah, bridging the gap looks like what you touched on, Nate, is just being teachable and being aware that like they have wisdom to share and I might have to shift and apply it a little bit to my life, but there's so much life that they've lived that I, I haven't, and I don't know anything about. And I think there's um something in our generation, maybe you'd agree with me, Emma, is that I feel like we're very quick to judge the other generations. Mm. Um, and I know we're not really supposed to be talking about our generation, but I one thing that I, I just, I want to correct with my generation is, I just think if we were to embrace each other's differences more, it would just be a lot better. I looked at, um, I don't have it all, it's really long, but there was a thing I looked up about like 15 things that influenced like the generations. Yeah. It's wild. When you go back to the boomers, it's talking about like war, mm-hmm. you know, and then you come into like the Gen Xers and there's like, it was like the Challenger blowing up and all of a sudden, you know, we're headed to space and doing a bunch of stuff again. And then you come into the you know, they're creating the internet and they're like known as like the MTV generation because all of a sudden things, this huge shift in like socials were starting for them. And then you come into the millennials and then the Gen Zs and it's wild to, to not appreciate what each generation is pulling from because there's, there's portions of life. I, I find now that I'm 42, there's sections of my life that are like, they were foundational blocks and I pull from that section for like things that are that I know and understand so then to appreciate that what was going on in another generation is what they're pulling from so that's why I feel like sometimes boomers or gen xers will look at millennials and gen z's like you guys are lazy and you don't work hard and it's like they did so much work that we should appreciate that they set up for us our work can potentially look different mm. but because they're pulling from manual labor yeah. potentially versus computer labor or whatever, however you want to view it, it looks different, but to appreciate it is necessary. Yeah. Like almost the things we look at as faults are actually like the things they like had to do in, in the culture and society. I mean, there's a reason a whole big people group mm-hmm. have a lot of similar characteristics because that's what was going on. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's so true. Like we view it as a fault, but it's maybe like what got them through it or what they had to do or whatever. So within the church, what has been maybe a trend that has come and passed through generations that you've seen? I I feel like the church was very traditional. So I think that when I think back to when I was a kid, it was very much like certain songs were sung, maybe out of a hymnal, maybe yeah. not. And then there was a, a, a more strict order of service, that type of thing. And then going into even the part about like overcorrecting, have we done a lot to take the traditions out of church to maybe even the point where we have lost some of those like 
spiritual disciplines Mm -hmm. that got us to where we are now. Actually, because you said that, I wrote down something in my notes, and it's actually a line from a really popular song right now. And I wanted to just talk about this, get your guys' thoughts on this one thing, and maybe you've heard it. It's the bridge to the song, Make Room. It says, shake up the ground of all my traditions. Break down the walls of all my religion. Your way is better. I feel like that's a lot of the heart for our generation is like moving into that more free, like, God, we just want your way, which is good. But there is something to be said about tradition, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think that tradition, from my personal experience, I definitely did an overcorrection of this. Thinking about Bill's question. I grew up in a traditional church. It was a Methodist church. And then I was introduced to more of a charismatic style of worship. And so then I really embraced that because it felt so much more free. And I think without realizing it, I started to build up like a narrative in my mind about how tradition is just, people are just doing it for the sake of tradition. Mm -hmm. They're not doing it out of a heart that really means something. Like there are a lot of very strong faith avenues, I guess, that have strong traditions. So you go and you do certain things and taking the sacraments or in the way you worship or the way you sing. And that's a big part of who they are. But for me to think that that's not meaningful and that's not heartfelt for them is really entering into judgment. And then I have I have then gone ahead and made my own tradition, which is now in more of a charismatic style. So I feel kind of like in thinking about this question, kind of convicted that, okay, um, you know, I was judging other people and now who's coming behind me and judging me thinking like now this, this just doesn't seem authentic. Like this charismatic feel, it doesn't just feel real. It feels more like um, performance Mm. or, you know, something like that. Or emotional. Or emotional, exactly. So then it may lack something that maybe was the tradition aspect. It did have some value there. So I don't know. I was thinking about that and thinking about how also then coming out of tradition, we maybe tried to make things a little bit more um, like, you know, there's a coffee shop in every church. There's it's Mm. comfort. It's convenience. We want it to be family friendly. So those things are not bad. Almost country club feel. But yeah, how that has maybe been an overcorrection to try to get out of the tradition to become more appealing. Have we overcorrected that? Mm. Which I'm going to put on the Gen Xers. (laughs) <laughs> because I think they're the ones that did it. And that was their overcorrection to the church, I think. We and Kate were talking about this, and that they that generation really overhauled churches, mm. which is, I when Bill asked that question, if he wants, my honest agreement with Kate was, one thing they did, I feel I overcorrected it, was we need to ramp this up. We need to get some lights, some fog machines. If this doesn't look like a rave Gotta be by 11 a.m., that we failed achieving Christianity. You know, if we don't have six lead lines in this one song and the band's not ripping, like they better be better than like every studio musician in Nashville. Like it has to be ramped up. And then all of a sudden, I think that was a a big overcorrection. I think there was things that when it comes to tradition, I think of being a kid and in Sunday school, which you don't see anymore. I was in Sunday school and I learned, I memorized the books of the Bible in Sunday school because Penny was going to give me $50 <laughs> if I did it at the end of the summer or whatever, you know, and there's things that felt traditional Sunday night service. And it seems so like, Ugh. when you even hear it out loud right now, you're like, that would be so weird. Like rigid. Right. But then you'd be like, but if, you know, cool Emma had a coffee shop Bible study, <laughs> we'd all yeah. be like, yeah, where's my beanie and my mustache is on point. So let's go to this coffee <laughs> shop, you know? But so I feel like 
we from Gen Z's, like Kate mentioned, I feel like you guys throw around that word authentic and that there's something about it that bugs me in a way. Cause when sometimes I look at that statement, I don't see it mm, because sure. I feel like it's like, there's an idea of being authentic. And to me, there's a simplicity in something that's authentic, but there's also structure in like, somebody put it together and somebody did it. It's like the engineer and the artist who's better, you know, like an artist is like, I'm going to make this whimsical painting or do this whole thing. And the engineer's looking at it like that doesn't make sense. It can't structurally stand. And then the artist is like, you're so rigid. But the engineer's like, if it wasn't, there's no togetherness. Like each generation wants to have like their new stamp on it instead of pulling the structure of their tradition and maybe giving that a facelift, maybe the artist and the engineer can come together on that. And I think that's what we lose from generation to generation. It's always a, a total redo, like destroy it and rebuild it, which is good sometimes, sometimes it's not. That, I love that metaphor. <laughs> that was really good, the artist and the engineer. I think, yeah, like Kate said this, you both said this actually, um, just the piece of like pushing against tradition because that was so much like, a generation or two before us and they really focused a lot on tradition and like going to church for the sake of that's what you did mm-hmm. and like you don't want to be that one person in town that's not going to church and um, a lot of other things that came with that and I I did the same thing I pushed against tradition for a while and I was like this is awful I do not mm-hmm. like everything tradition based I don't understand I don't think there's a point to it why do it just because we did it last year let's do something else now um, but I kind of realized um, through kind of discussing it with the Lord, that discipline is really similar to tradition. And I also was lacking discipline. Like in my own faith walk, I was rejecting like, why would I sit down every single day and spend 20 minutes with the Lord at the same time every morning when I can be like free flowing and do whatever. (laughs) And he was like, you're missing something. Like there is an importance to when you don't feel like sitting down with the Lord doing it anyways, because it's your tradition and your Mm -hmm. discipline. And there's an importance to like, I don't feel like getting up and going to church this Sunday, but because of that tradition, I'm going to. And I think tradition, like you're saying, Nate, can be really, really good. And we have to pair it both with like giving the Holy Spirit room to move and for there to be creativity and for it to be beautiful and artistic, but also leaving some of the groundwork there and saying like, yes, there's room for it to ebb and flow, but there still is like a foundation. Well, Mm -hmm. faith isn't something that is just like you do it when it feels good. I want to kind of come back to the the authentic thing. As we're talking about the different generational changes, like what's the pro- like I I love authenticity. Mm-hmm. I, I I would say like auth- authenticity is something I crave from everybody that I come in contact with. You guys are some of the most authentic people that I know. Nate hates that. I hate that about you. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me tell me a little break that down a little more. Yeah, so I I love the idea of going from tradition to very what do we call that? Free emotional yeah. maybe based feelings yeah. and then coming back to the idea of like what's real because it, it this conversation came up a lot when people were talking about the Asbury revival. Mm. So people were saying it was very simple, repentance, worship, there it wasn't performance based, there was something pure about it. And it just so that kind of makes me think authentic, you know? Yeah. So I don't think there's anything bad about authentic. What Nate and I were talking about is sometimes what we see 
doesn't line up with like what we feel like would be the meaning of authentic. So we see people saying like, I just want authenticity. I want it to be real. I don't want it to be feelings. And I also don't want it to be rigid. But then at the same time, there's the idea of like my truth. Mm. So their idea of authentic has to do with what their truth is. Well, as Christians, we have one truth. We have the Bible. And so it's like, if your authenticity is so, um, is your brand is, is so like, relative to you, it's hard for us to see where that's real or where that's truthful. So Especially maybe it's if even it's that. antithetical to the Bible. Yeah. Maybe it's even the relationship between truth and authenticity. And then also throwing in social media in there where it's just like, okay, I see, we see what's happening in your life and it doesn't maybe seem authentic, you know, like, mm-hmm. but yet you're saying you crave authenticity from the church. That's so you're re- requiring a realness from the church that you're not willing to live in your real life. Now, I'm not talking Ooh, about Briar no. Emma. I'm not talking yes, about yes, yes, she is. She's staring at us the whole time. <laughs> this is one of those conversations, though, where it's like, amen and ouch, you know? Yeah. Like, it's such a, it's a truth that, as Gen Zers, I need to hear that oftentimes because if my brand doesn't line up with what I'm saying anyways, like what I want my brand to be, then it's, what's my testimony saying? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I want to be able to have a testimony for people, but if they're seeing two different sides of the story, it's it's not going to work. And I think too with the, the term and the use of the, you want something authentic, something real, we throw that around so carelessly towards the other generations that we're the foundational mm. builders. And then Ooh. for you to look at Bill and say, I want something authentic. So what you've offered me isn't, so make it better for me. And Bill's looking at you like, do it then, mouth. Mm-hmm. Like you got, you know, all this mouth going on do something with it yeah and don't use my money to do it then you know and it's like it's tricky though there's a trickiness to it because if i look if we stay in the church lane and i narrow it even down to worship because that's one of them i think one of the leading things that people can say i want authentic real worship what does that look like does it look like me on a cajon you on your acoustic and emma and kate singing with no microphones so now it's just raw and it's personal and it's like It's all cut down and stuff. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's neat. Well, you know, Nate got a real drum set now. So let's just amp it up a little bit. We'll plug in your acoustics. Mm. Now we got a little volume. We'll get these guys some microphones. You start scaling it up. And then it's like, well, if we could just put them on a one foot platform, just so they're just up so people in the back row can see them. You know, it's not to be up in front of people. It's just so the people in the back row can see them. It's, It's just as pure. And then it goes up. Well, okay, let's let's dim the lights down because there's a few people that are like, man, it's just so like I'm so out there, you know. So we dim the light, and then all of a sudden you start ramping it up, and you're not doing it for performance. You're doing it out of a, a trueness. But then you've ramped it up so much now. You've got a click running in your ear so that everything's mm-hmm. on time. The band's locked tight and right. And then everything is good. And then the lights are, man, they're fired up, you know? And then you got that weird haze on the bottom. And like <laughs> everything is, and then you guys show up, but you weren't a part of the building it up to yeah. that. You came in and you're like, this is a performance thing and all this stuff. And you've lost the heart behind it. Maybe the people doing it have lost the heart behind it. It just gets so tricky. It's what Kate said. It's the, there's a, there's a, the Lord, where's he in it? And then I think there's times where the Lord in you, you're looking for the purity of the gospel. You're looking for the purity mm. of the relationship. And it's sometimes it's got extras that come with it. Mm. So then you're kind of like, well, you can't, I don't want to be someone to throw it all away. I would rather bring everybody together and, and determine how do we 
what isn't the Lord? Like, what is it here that's like, what what traditions do we keep? What ones just are because? What what um, free flows are the Lord and what one is not? What's mm. Those kinds of conversations, I think, move things more into that authentic feel because it, it, it's the purity again. Because you can have a huge band and have it just as pure as the one guitarist if the the heart is in the right position towards the Lord. So true. But it gets complicated. So the last part of his question just said this, how is my generation doing? I feel like for his generation, which is Gen X, we decided, right? Yep. <laughs> okay. Listen up, Gen X. <laughs> I feel like his generation has done really well to bring us where we are today. Agreed. And, and I appreciate that so much. I think it's great that that someone would even ask this question, like just to show some humility and say like, how are we doing? Because yeah. that's vulnerable. <laughs> um, but so I would say like, you've done well to get us where we are and mm. let's like appreciate you more than saying all of the things that we wish you could do differently. Um, but if there was one thing, I would say be willing to share and don't think that we don't need you mm. because we yeah. definitely do. We need your advice and your yeah. wisdom and it might take a little different way of opening the conversation. You might not be able to go into it like you would. When I think of Gen X, sometimes I think of a boardroom because I think of how it's like work ethic, being mm. on time, paying your bills. Like it's all good. We need that. We yeah. need that for sure. But um, I think you might not be able to approach it like a boardroom in certain ways, like to say, hey, I'm laying down the law. This is how it's going to be. This mm. is what you need to do but you might need to approach it a little differently, but that doesn't mean we don't need what you have to say That's and right. what you have to offer. That's good. Yeah, I I love that idea of the boardroom for the Gen Xers. <laughs> I also, I feel like they're a boardroom with like Game Boys in their pocket <laughs> because they have it. They're fun. They're not not yeah. fun. And I want, if I could encourage them that I think you guys are doing pretty strong work. I think uh, rem- just remember again how to teach and remember to be patient and and remember back to when you were 20 because that's something i've had even there's been moments with just some like our nieces and nephews who are early 20s i've had to like stop my brain and remember back when i was 20 and i think you will instantly hit a grace valve right there (laughs) because all the gen xers when you guys were 20 you were a disaster (laughs) just like every other generation, maybe not the boomers because they were like at war. <laughs> so they kind of had their poop in a group. They were pretty put together there, you know, but I would say for the Gen Xers, I appreciate you guys and keep it up. Yeah. And if I can speak for Gen Z a little bit, I mean, I'm not everyone, but <laughs> <laughs> do it. I think, us, Emma. <laughs> I think overall, Gen Z really wants to be listened to mm. by Gen X. And I think like in in the same way that you guys are saying, like we we desperately want to hear from Gen X, like we do, but sometimes it can feel like a lecture or like like a little bit what you were talking about with the boardroom, Kate, where it's like, okay, this is like laying down the law, this is how it's gonna be. And I think that a lot of times just we want to feel like we have value to you too. Like we see, we can see the value and we can see like the work ethic and we can see all that you guys have done. But sometimes the disconnect is feeling like you don't feel like we have anything to bring to the table or we're like too young and naive to actually have something good enough value. I will say I'm extremely blessed by the people in my life who have built that relationship, but I hurt for my friends who don't have a mentor. And so to bounce off what you're saying, Emma, is I would just say, 
build that relationship. Don't be afraid to approach us Gen Zers. We, we desperately want you to pour into us. Like build that relationship before you start speaking in though, because that's really important. A lot of people, not myself, I mean, I would never do this, but. <laughs> someone else. Yeah, then. yeah, someone else. If you just start walking up to me and speaking into me and I don't have that relationship with you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a little taken aback by that. That's good. And so don't be afraid to form that relationship because we desperately do want it. The Good Co Podcast is better when you're part of it. You can reach out to the show, ask questions, and share feedback by leaving a message on our page at myhopefm.net. All right, Nate, Kate. Yep. I did that. <laughs> that was, <laughs> that was funny. I did that opposite. She looked at Kate while she said Nate. and Okay. Okay, we'll start over. I liked it. Kate, Nate. I'm keeping all of it. Emma, Brett. Brett. Thank you guys so much for being on the podcast today. This little crossover episode between two different podcasts. But if they want to listen to your your podcast between Sundays, where can they go? What do they need to know? Go to myhopefm.net. There's a podcast menu option and you can find us there. So easy. So easy. You can even leave us comments and questions and then we will get them and respond to them. It's right next to Good Co. So if you know where to find Good Co, go there and you'll see between Sundays too. Yeah, I hope you actually get a chance to check out their podcast. I, I love listening. I actually get a chance to edit your guys' podcast too. You guys are some of my favorite people. Mm-hmm. But I really hope you guys get a chance to go check out Between Sundays wherever you get podcasts and show them a little bit of love as well. Thanks for clicking play on the Good Co. Podcast. To hear another episode or to get a hold of the show, visit myhopefm.net and click podcast. podcast.